Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I'm Andrew Kahn. I'm Ryan Zook. And I'm Eric McMahon. The Michigan football team will play Iowa for the Big Ten Championship this Saturday. We break down the matchup, plus an update on some winter sports, including the underachieving men's basketball team. Coming up on Wolverine Confidential. All right, guys, recording here uh, late Thursday morning in advance of the Michigan football team's Big Ten Championship game against Iowa on Saturday night in Indianapolis. We'll talk about that, the game, the stakes, and talk some other sports too. First thing, like what did we learn from the Michigan football program this week? So since we you know, last podcasted on, on, on Sunday night uh, after the Ohio State game, like injuries, uh, the mindset of the team, just any, any news that's, that's relevant uh, heading into this game. Well, they're still floating on cloud nine, I guess you could say. You know, I guess that was the main storyline this week, how they kind of put that win over Ohio State behind them and, and refocus for Iowa. You know, we spoke to players Sunday, we spoke to players Monday, and it, it seemed like they were still trying, they were still enjoying the win, which is fine. I mean, that's the biggest program win in Jim Harbaugh's, you know, time, probably the biggest win in geez, you can go back many years now. So I, I get it. Um, but that's, I think, the number one storyline going into Saturday game is whether Michigan, you know, can follow up. Because, you know, we've seen this time and time again in college football, maybe not so much with this Michigan program, but you come off that euphoric high of a big win and you have that letdown spot. And that's it's a very po- legitimate possibility come Saturday. Right. Iowa's a good team, do some good some things well. But, you know, that's going to be something to look out for, I think, Saturday. Yeah, especially with with Michigan being a, a huge underdog in the Big Ten Championship. I mean, when you beat an Ohio State team, when you were favorite, you mean Michigan's the favorite. Oh, yeah, Michigan's yeah, yeah. favorite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big time favorite. And yeah, when coming off a win, when you're a big underdog against Ohio State, like, like this is the definition of, of a letdown game. But I mean, again, this Michigan team has shown time and time again this year that it's nothing has really kept it down. So, yeah, we'll see. But I, I still think I like Michigan's chances of, of advancing. But Again, yeah, Kirk Ferentz seems to always get his teams up for, for playing Michigan, and stakes have never been higher when these two teams have faced off. So we'll see what happens on Saturday. As far as injuries go, we have, we didn't learn much. Josh Gaddis did reveal on the on radio show, I think Monday night, that Blake Corum, he obviously played Saturday. He was playing about 80%, so he's clearly not 100% healed. I don't think that's going to really affect their game plan much. I, on Saturday, I expect them still to utilize him to some degree. Um, but it is notable that that Blake still isn't you know back to where he used to be. So I, ex- I would expect a lot of carries again for Son Haskins on Saturday as Michigan tries to run the football you know, again. Yeah, I mean, as far as Michigan, you know, putting the Ohio State win behind them, like if you don't enjoy a win, especially a win like that, I guess what's the point of any of this? So you got to soak it in and, and enjoy the victory. But yeah, you got a huge one coming up. I, I liked what, you know, Harbaugh's reference to the 1980 U.S. Uh, Olympic hockey team, you know, the Miracle on Ice team that went against Soviet Union was not for the gold medal, as I know Ryan Zook knows. You know, they had to they had to then beat Finland to, to claim the gold. And that's kind of what Harbaugh compared it to. Like they just got their their Soviet Union win over Ohio State. And now I'm not sure the Wolverines will, you know, take it to their graves, uh, as Herb Brooks told his team, you know, if they lose to Iowa. But here we are. It's it's obviously, you know, a huge game given the stakes. It's a monster. I mean, Michigan hasn't won a Big Ten championship in what is it, 16, 17 years now. I mean some of the players referenced this earlier in the week, they've had a list of goals, you know, they wanted to achieve this year. And, and I think one of them was obviously double digit wins and beating Ohio state and beating your rivals and the like, and they've, they've hit most of those. I mean, the, the Michigan state game being one that they didn't, but like the big 10 title game is on that. I mean, if you're going to beat Ohio state, the, the, the idea is you should be able to win the big 10 championship. And, and look, that's been the thing we've talked about 
for the last several years now, Michigan's inability to get to the Big Ten title game because they couldn't beat Ohio State. Well, they finally beat Ohio State this year. They're in the Big Ten championship game. Why not go and win it? There you go. Well said. So let's talk about this Iowa team a little bit. It's interesting. So they're going to go with uh, Spencer Petrus to, to start a quarterback. They've used him and Alex Padilla kind of on and off throughout the year. And I mean, to be blunt, neither have been particularly good. Like this Iowa offense is, it's just, I mean, it's night and day compared to what they just faced with, with Ohio state. I mean, they're averaging, you know, 20 points less per game than the Buckeyes, you know, 10th out of 14 big 10 teams, you know, Petrus is, he's completed 58 of his passes, nine touchdowns, six interceptions. You know, his passer rating is 10th among 13 qualifying quarterbacks in the big 10 neither quarterback runs very much. So that's kind of, that's kind of like the bad, I guess, for Iowa, but they've obviously still found a way to win the West, you know, a couple, couple bumps in the road, losing to Purdue and Wisconsin, kind of lopsided losses, consecutive losses with a buy in between. Barely got by Northwestern too, winning 17 to 12 right after that. So correct. They, and they, yeah, they, and it's <laughs> big comeback against Nebraska to get here. Like every game's been, been a grind since then. It, it has not been easy, you know, for Iowa at all, but, but here they are representing the West. And I don't know, what, what are you looking for in this matchup with Michigan? Yeah. I mean, it's safe to say that the, the offense certainly isn't the strength of this Hawkeyes team. You know, they like to run the football. Uh, their leading uh, running back, Tyler Goodson, is over 1,100 yards rushing, six touchdowns. Yeah, you mentioned the quarterback struggles, the receivers. I mean, their leading receivers, a tight end, Sam Laporta, 486 yards and two touchdowns. So they're kind of, in a way, they're similar to how they play a similar way as Michigan offensively. They prefer that that smash mouth, run between the tackles, slow, grinded out drives but they just haven't had much success in the passing game. So it's essentially made them a one-dimensional offense, which I think bodes well for Michigan. They've shown that they can slow the run and stop the run. We saw it Saturday against the Buckeyes. You know, their, their offensive line has allowed, I think, 30 sacks this year near the top of the Big Ten. So I expect Michigan's defensive line to be able to get to the quarterbacks with relative ease on Saturday. You know, Aiden Hutchinson and David Ajabo could have big days getting to the quarterback, depending on how much, you know, they drop back. But this really shouldn't be at least from Michigan's defensive perspective, shouldn't be much of a, much of an issue. I, I think that they've shown that they can handle offenses of this caliber. I mean, and, and they've shown they can win both ways. I mean, they can, they, they can slow a, a passing attack at the Ohio state. They can, they can slow a grinded out team like Iowa. So from a defensive perspective, I don't see Michigan have much of an issue. The question here is Iowa's defense. I mean, that's the strength of this team. They like the force turnovers. The secondary is by far their strength. If Michigan can keep it on the ground and be successful running the football, I think it's going to be an easy win. Now, if Iowa can shut them down running the, running the ball, at least limit them and force Michigan to throw, that's where I think it gets in danger zone because they like to force interceptions. They like to deflect passes. And if you get into that type of game with them, that's where this thing could totally go, go awry for the Wolverines. The pathway for, for an Iowa victory is to create turnovers and, and give themselves a, a short field to work with because, yeah, their, their offense is not I don't see this offense sustaining 90, 80, 75-yard drives on a consistent basis against this Michigan defense. They're going to need to, to force some short fields to work with, be opportunistic, and, and take advantage of any Michigan mistakes. So Michigan hasn't done that this year, so – uh, I, I don't think that should be much of an issue, but again, with, with the stakes this high players maybe tense up a little bit and yeah, we, we know Kate McNamara has had a lot of batted passes this year. Maybe one of those goes into the Iowa's 
hands and then they return it the other way. Who, who knows? But yeah, I mean, there's the pathway to victory for, for Michigan is a lot easier to see than, than I was for sure. Yeah. Well said. I mean, I, I am getting some vibes of like the men's basketball teams game against UCLA in the NCAA tournament last year. where like, you know, fans were nervous about some of the games before that. In this case, obviously Ohio state, they win that. And then it almost just became this foregone conclusion that Michigan was going to the final four and maybe kind of the, some of the same stuff here, but you, you can't overlook Iowa. But again, if Michigan plays, they don't have to play as well as they did on last Saturday. I don't think just, you know, close to that level and, and they'll, they'll be okay. But you know, as you guys talked about the stakes, Aaron mentioned the last time Michigan won a Big Ten football title. I'll pause to let our listeners think about it because I know you two guys know. 2004. I mean, that's I was both in really, seventh grade, I think. <laughs> really, really hard for me to wrap my head around because, like, this program is still considered, you know, nationally relevant and, uh, you know, they, they still get good recruiting classes. And yet you wonder how if they haven't even been the best team in their conference in, in that long. But like Aaron said, two things go hand in hand an inability to beat Ohio state. Um, and then therefore not winning the, not winning the big 10. I mean, there's been 16 seasons, you know, since, since then, and Ohio state has been at least gotten to share the championship 10 times, Penn state, Michigan state, Wisconsin, the other three, each three times, but Michigan none, but that can change on Saturday. Yeah, it could, you know, the big 10 going to two divisions certainly didn't help matters because right. Michigan's obviously in this crowded East division, the, the last day, decade or so has, has been in the last decade or so has been dominated largely by Ohio state. So yep. the door is open now. I mean, Michigan obviously is going to play for national or a big 10 championship on Saturday with the opportunity for more, because assuming that if they do win Saturday, they're, they're going to get into the college football playoff. You know, everything is still alive for them. I mean, they, they got to win obviously, but all those goals that everyone kind of like passively talked about being the year, or oh, maybe Michigan to the Big Ten Championship game, maybe they get in the playoff, maybe this is the year they get to the national championship. Obviously, Jim Harbaugh and his players were talking about it. They're all still alive. The dream is very much still still alive, which is and, and we say this every week. It's been it's been amazing to follow this team all, all year long and the way this everything has transpired. So Michigan wins this game. They're in the playoff. We can say that with full confidence. What seed they will be is to be determined. Michigan was number two behind Georgia in the latest college football playoff rankings. Yes, Michigan would hold, you know, at two with the win. Alabama currently three and Cincinnati four, but, you know, both those teams have to play. So if Alabama, you know, were to lose, they'd fall out. Now, there, there's a lot of scenarios here where Michigan can, can move around a little bit. It's not crazy that they could get to one. And then where they would go would be interesting. But I guess, yeah, Aaron, you know, you wrote about this. I know if you could kind of help, help us sort, sort all this out as far as, you know, this, the playoff implications. Yeah, you, you kind of nailed it. The SEC title game on Saturday between Alabama and Georgia, I think it's going to tell us a lot. If Georgia wins that, they're, they're definitely the surefire one. And then Alabama is going to be interesting because if that ends up being a close game, whether it's you know goes to overtime or it's a one possession late score or whatever the case may be, I, it wouldn't surprise me if Alabama ends up at like the fourth spot in the college football playoff poll. The committee has shown that they do value Alabama. They like their their resume. But if, if Georgia wins it handily, I think that certainly will knock Alabama out. And then you've got, you know, and then you got the implications for the Big Ten, the Big 12 yep. title game. You got Oklahoma State and Baylor. Oklahoma State's looking, they're at five right now, looking on, on their way in. Cincinnati, again, they're in their champ, conference championship game. Now, if you so say Cincinnati loses, that would obviously knock them out and open things up for Notre Dame. So a lot of things are at work, at work here. If Chalk holds up and Georgia wins handedly and Michigan wins handedly and Cincinnati wins their conference championship game, I don't see the the order changing much in terms of the, the, the top two. I mean, Georgia's, I think, by and far away the number one team in the country. 
and Michigan will end up at two. I, I you you hit the nail on the head. I think the most likely scenario is Michigan ends up in the two or three seed, and they're in that two three matchup. You know, and assuming George ends up at number one, I I have to assume they're going to pick the play in, in in Miami. I think that just makes makes the most sense to me. So most likely scenario, yeah, you nailed it. I think two three matchup at the Cotton Bowl in Dallas, probably against Cincinnati, but you know Alabama has the potential, and then maybe you know maybe Oklahoma State as well. What if uh, Alabama gets blown out, Cincinnati loses, Oklahoma State loses? Is there any pathway for Ohio State to get in the playoff too as well? I think in that scenario, I think Notre Dame would be more likely, more likely to get in. Uh, now, that being said, Notre Dame doesn't have a game this weekend, and they're kind of sitting at home watching. And then again, you've got their coaching situation, right. of which the committee has said that they will – perhaps use against them uh, next week when the final rankings come out. But yeah, I mean, it would open the door for Notre Dame. It would open the door potentially for Ohio state or another team. Right. Cause, cause yeah. Ryan's talking about maybe, you know, two open spots. You got Georgia, Michigan, the only mm-hmm. two locks at that point, right. Alabama with two losses, Cincinnati with a loss, Oklahoma state takes and then, the second loss. Yeah. yeah and if Oklahoma state loses, maybe Baylor gets a look. It would be all chaos. It would be very, uh, very interesting. Come, uh, come Sunday. Right. You know, Michigan losing throws another wrench into everything, but I don't think our listeners really cared to hear what, you know, how that would play out if Michigan loses. They just want to hear Michigan wins. All right. What what could happen potentially around them? But like I think we touched on in our last episode they're now, it's now shaping up. We already know Michigan's a double digit favorite in this game to be a favorite in their semifinal game, too, because they they would be. If it was, you know, if it was Cincinnati or, you know, if it ended up Oklahoma State, like they just would be, um, you know, now if it's Alabama, that's maybe a different story. But I, I think it's a little tougher for them to play Alabama as we just kind of sort this out, because, you know, if Alabama loses, you know, the best they're at is four. So they wouldn't be playing Michigan because Michigan would be in that in that two, three spot. And if they win, I mean, you'd think they jump, they jump all the way to one and. No, I don't think Michigan's falling to four, kind of no matter what, but maybe I'm wrong, but I just don't really see Alabama as a uh, semifinal opponent. But I guess Georgia could be. Probably not, but I, I've learned to like halt on the assumption, <laughs> especially with the committee after they you know, decided to rank Michigan out of Michigan State, which obviously makes sense now, but at the time, who knows? Anyway, everything's subjective. Everything's up for debate. And I think, I mean, we're going to find out Sunday. Again, this Michigan has to win on Saturday, provided they do beat Iowa Saturday night, they're in. If they lose... I'd say the chances of them getting in are, are slim to none, but again, chaos could reign supreme and it's possible they get in. It's It's been clear now ever since the loss to Michigan State that the college football playoff committee has valued Michigan. They've called them a complete team now for like four or five straight weeks. They like what they do on both sides of the ball. They think that they are a elite team on both sides of the ball, and that certainly helped boost their resume. You know, another another element here is Aiden Hutchinson's potential Heisman bid. You know, unlike some of these other awards we've been seeing, the the deadline you know for ballots to be submitted is is Monday. So after after this game, so he'll get you know what he did in the Ohio State game certainly mattered, and what he'll do in this Big Ten championship game could matter. You can send it in. Um, the the ballots have been distributed, so they they can uh, voters can can potentially already get theirs in. It'll be interesting. You know, they always do show the breakdown of when votes came in, but to at least get to New York now is is not out of the question. What's another big game? Uh, I, I think that's one of the most fascinating storylines of this championship week because you have Bryce Young, basically the consensus favorite right now, is going up against a really tough Georgia defense. What if he has a really poor showing against Alabama? And like we mentioned earlier, 
Iowa's offensive line is not great, and they're prone to giving up sacks. If Aiden has another big performance, maybe that vaults him up near the, the near the top. But I, I think a, a strong performance definitely should get him to to New York. And yeah, I don't think it would be wise for Heisman voters to send in their ballots yet because this final weekend here is is huge for for a lot of these Heisman candidates. Heisman voters have until 5 p.m. Monday to submit their ballots. The top four will get invites to New York City. As things stand right now, one sports book. And this has been all over the place. There are several sports books that have totally taken down the the Heisman Trophy odds off their board because this thing has been in such flux and there's really been like, it could go any which way. But as things stand right now at BetMGM, who still does have Heisman Trophy odds on the board, Aiden Hutchinson is third uh, when it comes to the odds behind Bryce Young and behind CJ Stroud. Now, Stroud doesn't have a game on Saturday. Ohio State is sitting home, not, not playing. And like you mentioned, Ryan, Aiden has another opportunity here to boost his stock and another big game against Iowa again, you know, in front of a national audience in a, in a conference championship game on a potential playoff team could certainly boost him into that, you know, that top four vote getting spot, you know, to get to New York state. Now caveat here is defensive players rarely if ever win this thing. So it's, it's tough. He's in rare company. It, it doesn't happen often. In fact, you know, we always point to Charles Woodson as being the last, you know, defensive player to win the Heisman Trophy in 1997. Well, since then, only one other defensive player has has ended up in the top three in in Heisman voting. So it's tough, it's difficult, but I think if there's a year to do it, this is probably it, just because the quarterback talent isn't where it's been in previous years. And you've got a lot of guys near the top of the board who necessarily won't be playing in the playoff game. Yeah, and the fact that it's four now, I think that's a new thing, that they're going to just do four all the time, right? Because in the past, they'd kind of look at where the voting you know, breakdown was and, and look at kind of a cut line, but uh, you know, that gives them potentially an extra shot. Some years there's, there's only been three. All right. Well, yeah, a lot, a lot to be watching for eight. And I don't want to get confused with the basketball game last night, but I think eight, eight, 17 or something is the official kickoff time here. So that yeah, that's, right. it's a late one Saturday night at Lucas oil stadium. Uh, again, that's a, that's the same, the same place that, you know, the Michigan men's basketball team lost to UCLA. That's another, uh, I guess, similarity between those two games. I spent a lot of time there last March. Uh, Okay, so yeah, speaking of the men's basketball team, lost North Carolina on Wednesday night. You know, the game was close, a two-point game at half, and then, you know, Michigan falls apart pretty pretty early in the second half, and North Carolina runs away with it. You know, Hunter Dickinson picking up his third and fourth fouls, you know, in one, in one defensive possession and going to the bench for a 10-minute stretch did not help the situation, but, you know, let's not pretend even with him out there that Michigan looked good, especially offensively. Um, this team is just out of sync right now. And, you know, I know a lot of you listeners out there wanted to see changes in the starting lineup. You got one on Wednesday, Musa Diabate filled in for Brandon Johns Jr., you know, at the at the power forward spot. But, you know, I know many are still wondering whether there'll be a change to point guard because Devontae Jones just uh, has not been efficient for Michigan. You know, the fouls on one end we've talked about, but then just setting up his teammates and making the offense click. I think a lot of people, myself included, kind of took what Mike Smith did last year and maybe not took it for granted, but just thought, all right, this this can work with the grad transfer point guard moving moving up from a lower level and, and kind of running the show effectively. But it has not so far through seven games been as smooth for Jones. Do you think the fix to their woes is simply changing point guard? Do you think it's more than that? Yeah, I think it's definitely more than that. So, you know, you, you did see, I thought, you know, Frankie Collins did did some good things out there in his in his stint at point guard for Michigan. He's, he's a freshman, but he looked calm and, you know, kind of getting the guys in the right spots. You know, Kobe Bufkin, another freshman guard that 
you know, looked good and stretches early in the season and now two games in a row where he doesn't, he doesn't play. I mean, he, he got in, in the, in the final minute or two last night, you know, I asked Joanne about him. He's just, you know, all hands on deck. He he'll stay ready. Like, but no explanation necessarily for why he's fallen out of the, the rotation, but yeah, there's just woes. I mean, you know, there, there are times where, you know, a player or two out on the floor for Michigan is not really being respected by the defense, you know, on the perimeter, you know, they don't have the shooting threats that they had last year. You're seeing just a lot on Eli Brooks's plate. I mean, man, he was, he was real nice when he could be your, you know, your third or fourth option or whatever it was. But now that he's like the guy, that's a lot. I'm not saying he can't, he can't handle it, but yeah, they got some things to fix. And this San Diego state team, they play defense. They're going to make Michigan earn their baskets and no gimme. Michigan could be looking at a 500 record here heading into then, you know, a weaker stretch of the, of the non-conference season before big 10 play starts. So it'll be interesting. Something, something to note for sure. They've got some issues. They got to work on the women's basketball team ranked 12 play number 10 Louisville in their big 10 ACC challenge game tonight, seven o'clock. It's on ESPN. Yeah. You know, I recommend people to watch that if they want to get there, probably in some cases, their first look at, at the Wolverines this year. That'll be a real tough test. Louisville, second in the country in, in scoring defense, and uh, they'll pack that place. It'll, it'll be a, it should be a, a fun game. So then they return home Sunday. So Amy Dilt is is not back yet, correct? She is not back, but you know Leah Brown came back. back. You know in their little event in in Florida. So you know that was big, and yeah, but you know Dilt Dilt's still not back. I wouldn't expect her back necessarily before for the new year, but we'll see, we'll see how that all goes. But yeah, Michigan kind of winning with, with defense too, for the most part, they haven't been, been lighting it up offensively either. So we'll see. You got any, uh, any other winter sports we want to talk here? Any, any hockey update before we uh, big, wrap up? big weekend series against Minnesota this weekend, both number one and number two teams in the big 10 Minnesota was predicted to, to finish first in the big 10 this year. So, I mean, by far the two most talented teams in the conference. So it should be a, a pretty good showdown here on, on Friday and Saturday at, at Yost Ice Arena. Act sports weekend with, uh, I mean, it's funny this, this Saturday game, you know, it's the first Saturday after the regular season ends. Michigan always tries to get a marquee home, home team into Chrysler and, uh, you know, supposed to be Kentucky that fell through. It's San Diego state, which isn't the same marquee, the, bigger storyline there isn't really so much on the court, but you know, the coaching matchup, Brian Dutcher, a former assistant under Steve Fisher. And while Jawan was a coach is, is, is the head coach now of San Diego state. So that'll be fun. I'll have a story about that coming, coming tomorrow morning. They've already had some, some funny exchanges about, about that matchup, but yeah, then stay on your couch. You got, of course, championship Saturday throughout college football, you know, for the first time, Michigan fans actually take an interest in these other games as far as how, how would it affect uh, the Wolverines and then Michigan, Iowa, eight seventeen kickoff uh, in Indianapolis. We'll have plenty of coverage leading up to during and after the game on MLive.com slash Wolverines. Thank you for listening.